Welcome to the Develop Yourself Podcast, where we teach you everything you need to land your first job as a software developer by developing yourself, developing your skills, your habits, your network, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Hayslip, and today we have Brian Ginny back on the podcast. He was on a couple weeks ago sharing his story. He's back. We're interviewing him. And here's why I think you should pay a special attention to Brian. He has probably some of the most practical, most hands-on, boots-on-the-ground advice and experience from teaching people how to become software engineers all the way to the point of mentoring them through boot camps, graduation, job hunting, and mentoring junior developers as a senior level engineer. He's been through it himself all the way from the bottom, teaching himself to code in the midst of having children, being busy, all the way through to the point where he's at now being an influencer, running his own programs, LinkedIn, newsletter, uh, got almost 20,000 followers on LinkedIn. His content is insanely practical and actionable. And I think you're going to love this episode where we dive a little bit more into Brian's story. And more importantly, hear the things that he wants to tell you right now in October of 2023. His advice is relevant. So listen up. Hi, right, Brian. Welcome. I should. I was going to say welcome to the podcast, but welcome back to the podcast since you were the last episode. You know, I think thanks for doing that. I think uh, if the listeners want to get more kind of background, and, and I'll I'll have an intro before this in in the episode before they hear this, they can definitely dive into that. So what I thought I would do um, is I would love to touch on some of that a little bit because I think your story is incredibly interesting. And as I said in that episode. I'm so thankful for your vulnerability um, because, you know, I, I just didn't know. I, I, you said something before about having a crazy background. And, and then, I, then I told you, like, Brian, I need you to write the title of the episode because I didn't want to be, like, writing clickbait of, like, from from drug dealer to software engineer. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally understand now. And I was like, I'm open to it because, like, but, yeah, it was – I'm always apprehensive about telling that story. But I see it, it's it's – I think it's helpful for people and – Every time I say it, I get a lot of great feedback from people that I would never expect that are in similar positions. So it makes me kind of feel incentivized to keep sharing it. Yeah, man, I have to imagine that. Um, well, th- there's so many things I could I could go into on that thought because I think for the most part, if I'm honest, probably people who are coming to this don't have a story like that. Yeah. And so to see that you've beat the odds. You know, should truly reassure many that well they can do it too, and then for those who do have a story like that, like how how awesome. Um, and you know, to be honest, like you seem like a normal guy. Um, what's crazy impressive is, and so, sometimes I don't. I'm not always looking on. Like these days, I'm not on LinkedIn much. But I was going through even in prep for this episode, like okay, what are the things that Brian could talk about? Mm-hmm. And at first, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna find some LinkedIn post that Brian has that have at least a hundred likes. I was like, oh, they all have 100 likes. So maybe it's 200. I'm like, no, 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 300. I was like, okay, 400. I'm like, what are the most popular topics that people like to hear Brian talk about? And I'm like, everything. They like My everything. head is getting bigger and bigger as you keep uh, <laughs> It's crazy, man, because I remember there was a season, and I'll stop talking here in a minute, but there's a season where I was trying to grow LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I kind of just stopped. I think I told you about this before, which was uh, the reason for me was like, oh, you know, I'm trying to grow a boot camp and here are a bunch of boot camp grads and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help boot camp grads, but you know, I just didn't have capacity for it. 
Um, yep. and then looking at what you've been posting, man, it's, it's such gold and it's clear that it comes from like experience. Like you went through obviously the episode that you had last time all the way through to being an engineering manager. Um, and it's pretty cool. So I'll say finally that. a question coming up here. No, thank you. I'm, I'm loving this. Keep <laughs> Which is, I wanted to give everyone context. So, like, you and I have been working together. Um, and I won't share all the details of that. I think that's going to be up and coming. We'll, we'll share sure. what that's going to look like. But you've been contributing to curriculum that we'll, we'll release soon, um, which has been amazing. So, I think, one, it's a big deal for the Parsity curriculum to have a new voice um, in perspective. I think it's going to be awesome. And even, like, all of your like your experiences are, like, on the ground. I haven't been a software engineer in a long time. And you've got, like right now experiences from the industry, which which I think is extremely valuable. But going back to you and your story, mm-hmm. man, how did you get from being a software engineer with experience to, I think there's two things I'd want to cover. Like one is transitioning into being a manager. Like what was that mm-hmm. process like? Yeah. And then at which point along this journey, did you decide, Hey, I'm going to be like a LinkedIn influencer. Cause that's totally <laughs> where you are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this would be an interesting one because um, it's as usual. It's never like the the common like no one has like some linear path. So first yeah. one, so how did I get to be engineering manager? Um, I can go with that. Yeah. So I went with I I've been pretty like deliberate with my career in general. Like at a certain point, I realized like okay, I study a lot of people and what they did and like how you could get ahead. I never really intended to be an engineering manager. I knew I wanted to get into like leadership and I thought, man, I'll be a staff engineer or like principal or something like that. I worked at some startups in the Bay area and I was like, I aspired to be like those guys. I'm like, that is my dream. And I was realizing at this really high paced startup, fast paced startup I was working at that like my technical depth would never reach that of a lot of the guys I was working with. Um, they were PhDs, data science background, mostly, um, and I thought I'm, I'm a little out of my league here. And I'll be honest. I think if you're more front and focused, there tends to be a ceiling, um, mm. in the career ladder. That's kind of my opinion. And I was on a full stack team, but more front and focused. And I thought I could maybe be like, I, could, I got the senior there and I thought maybe I could get to team lead another couple years. But I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, so maybe I could be a big fish in a small pond. And honestly, that's when I kind of stumbled on, like I was looking at companies and I thought, where could I use like my expertise to help a team that's maybe coming into something like react or modern web frameworks and i saw clorox and i saw that's exactly what they were looking for and i thought oh perfect i bet i could like make a big difference here and i did i came on i loved mentoring the people on the team i loved the transition to react and i got to make an outsized impact that i would not have had if i stayed there that really helped me and i made it clear that i wanted to be like in a leadership position when i joined very cool so did you did you feel like you had like leadership desire up to that point or was this, or were you more motivated? Like how can I keep advancing in my career? It was, it was a bit of both. At some point I realized, like, thought, what have I been, what do I like doing? I love coding. It's like a passion of mine. I just do it as a hobby. I do it for fun. I really enjoy it. I also realized I got the most like value and the most like excitement from mentoring people. Yeah. Like that was what I really enjoyed doing. I've, I've been working at boot camps on the side throughout my entire career like really from like my first job when I wasn't even prepared to mentor people really, but I always really enjoyed it. And I was like finding myself doing it for free writing articles. And I thought, this is what I really drives me also. Mm, like as yeah, a person. Yeah. And I thought, how can I combine these things? And, it, and I was a little against the engineering manager part. Cause I thought, well, then I'm going to not be so technical. And I mm. thought maybe I don't need to be, maybe the thing I really enjoy really is 
not just sitting heads down writing code, but like actually helping other people. And this and clocks was a great opportunity to do that. So I just that's crazy. It, it felt like a good fit. Yeah, it, and I don't think people would normally think of Clorox as being an engineering <laughs> place. What what are the what are the types of products that y'all work on? I mean, what what does that look like from a technical perspective? Yeah, so it was a big shift. Like I went there, and it's like front end public facing websites like Birds Bees, um, oh, wow. Shop.Clorox.com, Brita.com. We had a proprietary like e-commerce backing that we were making under a different leadership that that left. So we were building like a, some comp- some complex microservices and things. It was actually a lot cooler than I thought, um, but it was also a lot more CSS than I'd ever done <laughs> up until that yeah. point. Um, but we been transitioning to React. Yeah, ultimately, it's ecom. We, we do ecom stuff. It wasn't wildly different, honestly, than the work I did like at a um, data analytics company, like it's surprising okay. how similar the workflows and like the problems you encounter are at both places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. I would have never thought of, you know, what is, what are Clorox's all, all I think about is bleach, you know? <laughs> and that's fair, right? Like, and that's like, they have some excellent scientists that are doing all sorts of cool, innovative work on that end. And then like people kind of forget like, yeah, they have, we're a small engineering team. It's like I, my team, I manage five software engineers. We have another DevOps team, which is like three. And then we wow. have contractors, which scale up and down. So that okay. I think our height, we had around 20 people. Now we've wow. contracted and now we have a much smaller team. Amazing. Yeah. What, um, okay. So dive into that a little bit more for me. You, you mentioned that you were working at boot camps. Were you like, being a paid mentor at different boot camps because you know you went through your process which you explained previously yep. and then like immediately afterwards where you're like oh i gotta now mentor because this is this, so fun i mean what, what what's that this this kind of goes back to my hustler mentality <laughs> so my previous life if you haven't listened to the other podcast i was involved like i'll just you know short uh you know bullet points i, I was I, involved in crime and stuff like a bad lifestyle i was living beforehand and when I was in fifth grade, I was selling like mixtapes at school. When I was like in high school, I was doing car washes and painting houses. In college, I got kind of led down to more illegal activity. So I made that a full-time career. And then once I, you know, a lot of things happened to change my life around. Then I got into that. And I kind of kept this hustler mentality. I was having like two jobs. So one thing I was just used to working a lot. And honestly, when I got sober, the, the time I had to fill in. And mm. so working was was great. Um, but I, I, I felt like, man, what, am, what else am I going to do? I got a full like Saturday. What, it, and I didn't really have, I don't have, I think a normal outlook on life in general or really know what to do with a lot of free time. So I tend okay. to want to fill that in. And I, and I thought, well, and then I had a person reach out and say, Hey, would you want to work at this boot camp? This is the wild, wild west days of boot camps. Yeah. And I was like, uh, sure. And, and I loved it. It was cool. It also taught me like public speaking got me more. And I realized it all was cool. working together. I'm like, Oh, here I am working on the weekends to get better at the thing I do during the week. And it just kept feeding into each other. And I thought this is like a great way to accelerate what I'm, what I'm doing. Yeah, man, that, that's amazing. I mean, my story is completely different, but <laughs> the thing I do relate to is this feeling like I came out of a boot camp and had, I mean, I was quite little, I think you have a post on this for yourself too. I was quite literally the worst engineer in this startup that mm-hmm. I think we, you know, we had just merged another company. So we were, probably 60 engineers strong. And I was like, without a doubt, I'm the worst engineer. Like I am, I think I was the only junior engineer. So I was like, okay, oh, yeah. you can just look at an org chart and see that I'm the yep. worst engineer, you know? Um, 
But I immediately started same thing, like mentoring for the boot camp I just graduated from. And the feeling I got from like, oh, wow, I have this is the first time in my life that I felt like I had a valuable expertise to offer, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like really what I think pulled me along this whole process. Like even starting boot camps, doing this podcast, all of that's because man, it's so good to look at somebody who needs like what you have so bad. And it's not this feeling of like, Oh, I'm great. And you are validating me, which there's a little bit of that, like self-validation for sure. Yeah. But it's more of like this satisfaction of like, whoa, like you actually needed that. And I know that you needed that. I know it was helpful because I was just there too. Like it changed my life, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred X. I mean, literally I think I have an episode where it's, I, I basically try and argue that I think becoming a software engineer for me, like solved depression, you know? Um, wow. And, and, I, and I think like you would agree in the same sense of like, like I'm sure it was part of your sobriety. I think that's, I think that's Absolutely. what you were getting at previously. And it's this powerful feeling of like, one of you learn these skills, especially in this environment, you know, even though some people would say that tech is down, but it's really not. <laughs> it's just down compared to 2021. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> the height. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredibly powerful. So I, I love that. One thing I was going to ask you, you mentioned briefly in that episode and I, you know, I haven't even talked to you much about this, like that you have kids, you have, you have kids, how many, how old? Got three got three children three how old are they yeah 17 <laughs> 10 and six no way okay so yeah, at which yeah. point in this process because it's so funny we, my, my friend scott and i um we're both you know sort of productivity nerds um and we, we love like <laughs> reading about the stuff and we, and we look at all these guys uh-huh. on twitter who are tweeting and i i sent him a tweet recently that uh this guy wrote that was like excuse me but no, he goes, pardon my French, but any of you who are talking about morning routines and productivity who are single in your 20s can just F off, you know? And, <laughs> and what he was getting at is like all these gurus that are talking yeah, about right. building these big businesses and their morning routines, getting up at 4 a.m. and all this other stuff. It's like, you know, it's it's much harder whenever you're a little older and you've got a bunch of kids. So which yeah. point did like that play a role and how did you handle, I mean, it sounds like you probably went through this massive career transition in the midst of being a father. Yeah, that was a, that was a rough one. Cause I, cause if I might, it, the, the, it's all a blur now. It's like all a big blur, but my, my son that when it's 10 was born right around that time, <laughs> like right around that time. So like what was doing with a toddler, another, another, you know, this is, he was, the other one was seven at the time. I mean, it was, it was a lot to handle. Um, the commute to work. I mean, I wasn't remote. I was driving a far away to my first like legal job in a while. I, was, I had a lot of stuff going on. Um, but as usual, like not to under complicate it or over complicate it, but I just, I'm always been a morning person. I secretly think everybody, not secretly, I think everybody's a morning person in general. Um, and I, I just fit in where I could, I would get up like half an hour earlier. I was not getting up 4am. And, you know, maybe 6 a.m. <laughs> uh, then on the weekends, I would do some coding, too. But I would, like, do – and also, I was lucky enough to have a job where I was at a computer. And, like, during lunch, I could go on Codecademy um, nice. and, and do stuff like that. Yeah, this is this is one of your um, one of your LinkedIn posts. And, and so to show my cards, what I want to do in the, in the in a little bit here is go through some of your posts and just get you to tell me more. Because oh, you wrote yeah. one that's, like – you don't have a problem learning to code. You have a time management issue. Oh, um, yeah. 
And yeah. I love that because you're right. You, you said that a lot of people, they just spend the whole week not doing any coding. And then maybe on their day off, they'll have a marathon session. Mm-hmm. And then they'll probably come back next week. Like practically speaking, like what's the, what do you think? And from your experience, like what's the best way to balance got kids, got a job, maybe you're even in a new job, you're learning new yeah. skills. And like, how do you learn to code on the side? And by the way, like I always say this as someone who runs a boot camp, and we've got two different programs, right? We got a full time and a mm-hmm. part time. Yep. And I always tell people I think the full time is better. Um, it's better to go full time, but depending on your situation, that may be impossible. So regardless, I think there is a season where everyone who's learning to code is going to be part time, right? They're going to have to balance that on top of everything else they're doing. So, like, what do you think is the best way to to handle that framework? Yeah, like to me, I, ha- I had to do a part-time one. I mean, I was learning a bunch on the side before I even entered one. I basically knew how to code and make websites before I entered one. But the way I did it and the way I the way I suggest, and also this, this worked for me, but it also, I think, worked for most people. Project-based learning is my favorite hmm. thing in yeah. general. Like once I got the basics from Codecademy, like I'd spend maybe half an hour a day. I was like pretty deliberate with what I was learning. I'm like, okay, HTML and CSS. And then like jQuery at the time. And that was like, yeah. kind of that was it. That was like all I was going to do. But I made all the mistakes. I was reading books. I read a whole book one summer. And then I sat down to code and realized I didn't like have a clue what to do. And then I'm like, how do you like just get, I went to meetups and I saw what other people were doing. So oh, then I thought, okay, these people are in boot camps. They're building stuff. I should probably do that. Um, and then I, so one is it, I was working at boot camps and I'd see people that were just not making any progress despite working 12 hours on the weekends. And I thought that's why you're not making progress. Cause you're just in this loop where you forget everything during the week. And then you're trying to gain it all back on that day. And I've never been a person that wanted to work like 12 hours on a Saturday. I'm like, I like short bursts of work where I can concentrate. I usually had a plan of what I was going to do. Like I built a bunch of really janky websites. Like, like asked my girlfriend at the time, like, Hey, like, I can build a website for your group or something janky, or I'm going to build this weird Oakland city of Oakland app, like just, just nonsensical stuff, but it helped me. Like I was like, uh, I'm just going to build these weird things. And I, and that kept me engaged too. Cause I thought like, yeah. maybe there's a chance I can put this out there somewhere. And that was practical learning. Yeah. Those are, those are some good nuggets. I think I want to dive a little bit more into the project based stuff because yeah. I mean, that's huge. And, and that's, probably one of the pitfalls I see most with beginners is they're diving into tutorials. They, they buy a Udemy course and they think that success looks like completing a Udemy course. Like yes. I've never, by the way, personally have completed a Udemy course ever. I've got a lot of them, <laughs> never completed one because by the time like, I, I just grab what I need and then I go move on to start building something. Yep. But one thing that I want to point out here that um, I think is relevant. I think a lot of people experience this and, and it may be something to do with imposter syndrome, but Mm-hmm. It's just like your level of confidence. Like even in your story about, you know, you saw something for, you said the city of Oakland. Is that what you said? Yeah. You, like the first website I built, the first 10, 15 websites I built were really crappy, right? In yeah. sort of in a shameful way. But mm-hmm. what gave you the confidence to like keep going? Because I think that's where a lot of people mess up is you feel like if you can't do it perfectly or you compare yourself to everyone else, then you might as well not try. And there's definitely this period that everyone has to go through of being terrible at it. And that's what I always tell students. I'm like, all right, welcome to the boot camp. Get ready to build mm-hmm. the crappiest applications you're ever going to build in your life. Cause you got to get them out of the way. Right. 
But like, mm-hmm. where did you get that confidence to just like keep building, even though that, you know, probably your stuff was crappy, you know, <laughs> I would, you know, it was complete naive on my part. I was so not, I didn't know what I didn't know. I, when I meet people now and I'm like, you're like 10 steps ahead of where I was at the same space, which was a power. It was a superpower of mine. I realized in, in mm-hmm. retrospect, I didn't even know how bad I was. I thought I'm just naive. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I have no, I was walking into interviews you know, for like Note Express jobs. And like, I knew Jake, I barely knew jQuery, like barely. I knew enough to like do a button click event and I'd walk in the job. Like, I don't know, like what, what, what else do you need to know? Um, so I didn't even know. I had no clue. I was, I was That's... way behind everybody else. <laughs> I think that is a superpower though, because even in like the world of business, like I'll meet somebody, um, over the, over the last few years, like of starting stuff, I'll meet somebody who like tells me an idea and I'm like, that's so dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like Ooh, you have that? not, you've not thought that out or planned it out, yeah. you know, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to start planning my business and mm-hmm. my plan's going to be so good. It's going to be bulletproof. I'm not even done planning. And then they've already like, they're already a huge success, right? Because they just naively walked in and they started taking action and doing the stuff you need to do. I think um, Peter and I talked about this on an episode a few weeks ago where, I mentioned some friends, uh, Darren McKee and Eric McKee, and they have this uh, mm-hmm. program called SAS Bros, in which they take people who want to become kind of like there's like a little boot camp almost, where they take people who want to become, you know, SDR sales development reps, something like that, and they train okay. them. The first time I met Darren, he was like selling insurance, and he tried selling our boot camp some insurance, and I was like, oh no, okay, dude, yeah, like, good luck. <laughs> Now he's like one of like the biggest influencers on LinkedIn and runs this successful. And I was like, that's a great example of like somebody who just was taking small action every day, maybe even sort of naively. And eventually if you don't quit, I think you need some blind optimism. Sometimes you need a little (laughs) bit of faith also because like I'd done so many switches in my life. Like I was not at a great, I was like 30 kid you know, a shady past and like getting sober. Like I had basically nothing working in my, my mom didn't really believe I could do it. She was like software engineer. Like, what does that even, oh, what, what does that mean? And what do you know about writing code? My friend, no one thought like, they were like, this is crazy. What are you talking about? Guys, if, if Brian can do this without the support of his mom, his mom <laughs> and she's a huge supporter, but I think, you know, she, I, I'm just the, the typical yeah. parent feeling like I don't yeah. want my kid to get hurt by, you know, doing this crazy harebrained scheme. I wanted to be a truck driver before that. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to be a truck driver. I love you it, know? man. That's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So you started mentoring boot camps. At what point did you start thinking about, I need to start writing on LinkedIn? Cause I, and I don't know, like may, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I think to have the kind of audience that you have on LinkedIn, like it doesn't just happen because you just threw some thoughts out there and you're throwing thoughts out there. Maybe it does for you. I don't know, but no, you need to have like a real concerted push and effort for sure. How did that begin and come about? I was, I'd been working at all these boot camps, and I thought I could do this. I'd like to do this on my own. You know, why am I, why am I going through them? Why don't they just, yeah. why don't I just do my own thing? And I thought, well, how do I get clients? And I'd always, you know, I'd worked on a startup before this with a group of dudes and it failed miserably but I've always been intrigued by the idea of like doing my own thing. I call it like a lot of software engineers, right? Like, like you've yeah. done. And, uh, and I thought, well, this would be a great way. I can, I can do what I love, which is mentoring people. And then they could just pay me directly and I could do it for like a very fair price and everybody's happy. Right. And then I, then I quickly realized like, there's like, how do you find clients? And I was too afraid to be on LinkedIn at first. I was like, what are people going to think? Or my, 
family, friends, and work going to judge me? Um, and then I went to Instagram, uh, wrong place. Um, but I still got my first couple clients on Instagram. No way. And then I somehow stumbled. I'd always been writing. Though. I've always loved to write. So I've, I've been writing on Medium before this. I, I had like blogs in, in a different life about like rap and stuff like that. And so I'd always just liked writing. It just was a thing I've enjoyed to do. Um, and I thought, how do you do this on LinkedIn or how do you gain attention and traction? Because I didn't like doing all the videos on Instagram as much. Um, yeah. I stumbled upon Justin Welsh, which I know you're who you're familiar with as well. Excellent advice. I mean, yeah. practical, practical stuff. I bought his course and I thought, oh, this is this is kind of how you do it. And then I just like sucked for a long time. But I thought I've, I've sucked at enough things long enough to know that if you keep at them, you'll get a little better. Yeah. And I just would plan out my posts like every Sunday. I still do this now. So Sunday, I'll like every time I go to the gym, I'll get out and I'll, my brain's usually on fire and I'll speak into my phone and say the ideas of things that are like, oh, yeah, I should talk about this. Then on Sunday, I'll look at all my notes, write up posts. And then during the week, I will drip them out. Every one of your posts, I feel like could be like a... <laughs> a podcast episode because they're so good and, and, it, and, it, and it adds so much value i think to folks who are because i think linkedin is full of a lot of people who are in terms of learning to code like journey who are sort of toward the end of all right now i'm expecting to get a job and mm -hmm. to be honest like it's been a hard i think it's been a hard year or so for that because yeah. you um I think a lot of people go into a boot camp expecting, okay, cool, like this may not be easy, but mm -hmm. at the end of this, I'll get a job quickly. And they encounter a lot more turbulence. And by the way, like yeah. I've never, I'm still very positive on this process because for the most part, and I can't, you know, maybe the people who don't make it give up or something, I don't know, but for most yeah. of the time, whenever I see someone who's been repeatedly posting on LinkedIn, about their learn to code journey, looking for a job, looking for a job, looking for a job, like mm -hmm. eventually it resolves, right? If they don't quit, yeah. it resolves. And that's incredibly encouraging. But I think along the way, like voices like yours, I have to imagine are so valuable for people. I mean, I get a lot of messages, which surprise me all the time about, you know, the podcast. Um, but I think it's, you're just adding a ton of great value for people because you're speaking into the things that they're going through because you've, you've been through them. And, uh, that's just, that's so much more valuable to people than, I think that's what's genius about Justin's Welsh, Welsh's content. It's like speak to people who are just like a few steps behind you. Yeah. And it's like, I'd much rather learn about business or something from Justin Welsh than Elon Musk, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just, it's so much more, more relatable. To, yeah. To learn about the thing that's right in front of you. <clears throat> awesome. I, I okay. So, uh, that's incredible i i did want to then uh transition in and, and ask you about a few of these topics because i've got and i think that's what's so cool about this is you do this long enough you try to teach enough people you come up with uh strong opinions on niche items and i think a lot of your your posts i think this is what works well by the way too and this is like i think what justin Walsh talks about is like you want your content to be controversial not for the sake of it being controversial but because what people want to know is like, what is it that they believe that's mm -hmm. probably actually not true? Right. Um, and I think this is where a lot of people fall into traps is they're, they're doing the wrong thing. So I'm just going to give you a couple of them and we'd love to hear some more thoughts on this. Let's do it. Um, 
All right. This post is from I don't I don't have the timestamp, so let me not say that. <laughs> don't worry, I wouldn't remember anyway. So you talked about hiring two junior developers and onboarding them. Yeah. And you said awesome. that uh, they stand out because they're proactive. They write thorough PRs and they've got guts. What? Yeah, I, I guess like the the takeaway I want to get out here is I think a lot of people who graduated boot camp and are nervous about their first job, they're probably in the position that I was in. And I think it sounds like you were too, where it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. I actually know that I suck quite a bit more than these people. Yeah. What yeah. is the value that a junior engineer brings to a team? Right? Because from day one, like hopefully you get your little crappy PR merged in and you could say, you know, I shipped code on day one, but probably yeah. it wasn't that important of a PR. Like what's the value that a junior developer actually brings to the team? Yeah. So here, let me get like, I'll be pretty real here. Get real. <laughs> there's a, get there's real. a budget. I mean, they're an investment. Now here's, here's the, here's the, I'll just keep giving it to you straight. I like junior engineers because one, you're investing in them and you can teach them the way you want things to run at your company. Two, for economic reasons, you're hiring somebody at below market rate. Typically, if they stay for two to three years on, guess what? You have a mid-level developer, potentially even a senior developer at a very, very fair rate. If they leave, hey, it's it's all good. You, you you left. If you stay on, though, you now have a very, very good deal on a very high level developer that knows your stack and your repository really well. Um, also, they tip it, tend to bring in new ideas if they're vocal, which is so this is like at the top end. If you bring in junior developers at like the top 10 percent, they're going to come on your team and potentially, you know, say, hey, why are you doing things this way? Hey, this is what I learned somewhere else. They can inject new ideas new ways of doing things into your team. And I've seen that happen too. So they can be super valuable in that regard. And they also have, I'll be honest, a little less ego than if you're hiring a super senior developer, it's a lot harder to like, you know, either exert your influence over them or have them fold into the way you want to do things. They tend to come with their own baggage, which is sometimes great, but also sometimes, you know, not so great. I think that's great, man. I think that's not, as controversial as it sounds, which is, hey, we get to, we get you for cheap. Because I think most yeah. people who are signing up for their first dev job would say, yeah, like, that's fine. Sure. Like, pay me. Because for a lot of people, you know, the junior dev job is still a, a, a nice raise above maybe what they were doing before. Oh, Not yeah, everybody. absolutely. I, I've had lawyers come through boot camps that I did. I'm like, yeah. you know, you're going to get like a pretty good pay cut here, but like anything if I don't have to be a lawyer anymore. <laughs> I was super underpaid and I was still, I was still, I was so underpaid. I didn't even know I was underpaid. I was underpaid compared to all developers. I was more paid than what I had previously done. Well, and also this changes so much, right? Like, yeah, you don't even know two years later, like, well, what are people getting paid anymore? Um, I remember I went the other problem of getting paid more than I thought, wait, what, this is how much you're going to pay. I was like freaked out. I'm like, Oh my God, what are they going to expect now? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty normal. You're, you're still good. Yeah. We yeah. had a, we had a grad, I think I made 65 out of my first boot camp, which was like changed my life. Like it changed my life. I was like, Oh man, <laughs> let's go have some steak, you know? And <laughs> yeah, me too. And then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then my, um, then we had a grad, a grad recently, like got hired like one twenty. I was like, what? Yeah. Like how, how does like, that wasn't that long ago? You know, I guess, I guess 10 it, years or so, but me, still. I, funny, the same exact thing. Yeah. And now I'm seeing people I'm like, wait, what? And then, uh, <laughs> talking to people at boot camps too opened my eyes when I was like speaking to some of the seniors, like one guy was at Pinterest, another guy was at Pandora and they were just like, and I'm like, Whoa, 
you know, Bay Area, right? So you'd meet people yeah. in these crazy, and they were telling me how much they were getting. I'm like, wait, what? That's oh, that's yeah, a thing. See, I don't even know how to calculate that because, you know, Bay Area. But um, yeah. all right, I'm gonna I'll move on to the next one. That, that's sure. good stuff. All right, so this one, next one is about turn off the tutorial, open the code, code editor. You'll learn a hell of a lot more from, and you talk about getting stuck, reading the documentation, realizing the docs suck, all of that. Mm-hmm. I think this has been one of the things that I've tried preaching the most. I've had a hard time articulating it, but it's like this idea that, because you can tell, right? So and mm-hmm. normally this happens to me in intro courses. Whenever you have someone who comes in and they're like, yeah, man, my cousin, he went through boot camp, he's rich, like, let's let's go, you know? <laughs> and they're thinking that they just need to do the thing and it will mm-hmm. all work. Versus the person who's genuinely interested and passionate, and they're like, they're, they're they ask a question, and they're actually actually let me let me dive in and see like why mm-hmm. why does this function do this thing? And they want to tinker, they want to break things, want to play around. Like, how do you motivate people to be like the second and not like the first? Or do you think you should have like a red flag for yourself if you're not willing to do the latter? Yeah, that's a tough one. I've already struggled with this one because, like, personally, I think that you have to have some genuine curiosity and love for this to do it really well. I also have seen people that don't, but they're but they're a minority. Like, that's the minority of people I've seen that got into it specifically for financial benefit, and they just said, I just need a job. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I don't think. Yeah. I think that's yeah. totally fine. But I do think that they they tend to not accelerate as quickly because I think you do need some genuine curiosity in this in this field in order to go far because most of the people you're competing against or working with do tend to do this, not just for work, but also for like quote unquote fun. Like most developers are working on something outside of work, which is the reality. And if you don't ever want to do that, that's, that's up to you. Um, but I think that it may stagnate your, your learning because if you're, if your goal is just trying to get something done and like, okay, it's done, but you don't really understand what's going on beneath the hood a little bit, or just curious, like, well, why are we using GraphQL as opposed to, REST API, why, why is everybody using TypeScript or why is everybody using Next or why do I care? Do I, do I have an opinion on it at all? I think eventually you're going to find yourself probably a little bit below your peers that, that are genuinely curious. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think for me, when I was learning to code, because I don't know about you, I don't know what you're like when you were early on in school, if people told you you were good at math or not, but I always heard that I sucked at math and I yeah. knew that. And I made D's in all my science classes. So I just had this. And I think, you know, to be honest, I don't think that's a true assessment. If I were to go back now mm-hmm. and like learn math, I think I would, I would enjoy it because I understand the problem solving aspect of it more so than I understood back then. Used to, you'd have to memorize a formula. Like my, yep. my wife's a teacher. And so she, she's talk, she tells me about how math has changed where you actually have to like learn the purpose behind it. I'm like, oh, that's such a better way of doing that. But I keep coming back to what I always loved doing because I would have died in a computer science program. Like I would have died in calculus. would have mm-hmm. never happened to me. But I love to build stuff. You know, I love like starting stuff. I love creating stuff. And I think too often people don't connect that with coding. They think about the problem-solving aspect of it, which is true, and, like mm-hmm. the puzzle pieces and sort of the, the math relationship, which it's all true. But there's also this other side of it, which is like the the creativity. And that's yeah. the part that I think people need to think more about is that you, you can be creative. Like think about like what it would mean for you to build an application that does this new thing that no one's ever done before. Mm-hmm. Like that's freaking exciting, you know? So back to the blind optimism, I guess. 
No, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I like building products. Like at the end of the day, like I've I've studied algorithms and learned it, but like what I really get a kick out of is like yeah. I'm building a cool product for somebody to use potentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have to feel bad that you don't care about you know the uh, the big O of of your project as much. You know as what I mean? Like, yeah, and no one else really that, cares either. Yeah, they what they care about is that it works fast. You know? Yeah, right. Um, that, <laughs> that's another way to say this. Um, okay, I think I have a last one here that uh, it was about the resumes. So you became an engineering manager and you've seen resumes that go like this. Uh, passionate developer, aspiring, built this thing, GitHub linked to the site, um, it breaks. And then uh, you suggest some different advice. So all to say like, what's what's different about the person who has the, the bad resume and says some pithy statement about how they're this great aspiring developer versus someone who's uh, writes something that communicates a little bit more clear. I think the biggest thing is standing out. You, you think like last time I was doing hiring, I was looking at the packet of like resumes and I've done quite a lot at Clorox specifically, but I've done it at every company and they all kind of look the same. And it's hard at that point because what you end up with is a bunch of maybes. Like the no's are actually a kind of a small pile because no means like this is bad or you, you just, applied blindly and you don't even know the position that's easy to throw you out the problem is you have a large stack of this looks okay it looks kind of like the other ones so how do i differentiate it i can't so unfortunately now i'm looking at the strong yeses and i'm looking at a stack of maybes so unless my yeses aren't that big then i'll have to go through the maybe maybe pile again and do that so to stand out in general like people are usually afraid to sell themselves and if you yeah. do i'm also a big fan of being a little quirky I think this is one of the few industries you can kind of be a little quirky in. You can put something a little funny in there um, yeah. and to stand out. Are you part of a, do you watch Theo on YouTube? Do you like, are you a fan of some podcast or something like that? These can, if I read that somebody was listening to this podcast or like watch Theo from Ping Labs on YouTube, I might say, oh, I have something in common with this person now. They've gone from maybe to let, why not? Let's check them out. Dude, that, that that's really great. Cause I think, you know, one of the things you're getting at here is that you're writing resumes for people like for an individual to read them and relate yes. to you on a human level. I think we forget that. It, yeah. Th this is not really necessarily to this, but I've, I've long been a proponent of people who are trying to stand out to, to do weird things. Like mm -hmm. I think I, one time I wrote a post that was like you, if you want to, you know, informational interviews are a big thing, right? Try yeah. and you're coming out of a boot camp. You want to try and grab coffee with another engineer. And sure used to it worked like <laughs> people would grab coffee with me all the time. Yep. Nowadays it seems like, Oh man, I've, I've had coffee with a hundred bootcamp grads. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Can I hire you right now? Kind of thing. Yeah. But I was like, well, how do you get around that? Like just start a podcast where you're interviewing software engineers and maybe you don't get any listens, but it's a great excuse. That's a smart, it's, it's not, it's not hard to do. It's a great excuse to meet with a bunch of people. Um, normally they'll give you, an interview because a lot of times folks who want to share their knowledge are going to be more excited to share once with you. And then it distributes to a wider audience than just to grab a bunch of coffees. So I'm not saying that's a great idea. I, um, I like that idea. actually. Yeah. Nice. You have a bunch of bootcamp guys not making podcasts, but, um, but I think things like that outside the box, I think that, I think you're right. Like even on the resume, like what's the worst that's going to happen, right? Like, are you going to get rejected for having like, a different resume or, or not. And if you like, are, then maybe that's a good sign too. They're like, I can't stand this, you know, and maybe you want to do yeah. avoid that person anyway. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, 
All right, Brian, those are all of my like questions on your LinkedIn post, um, because I, I think it's just like a, there's a mountain of gold here that you could, could that. dive into for, for days. Um, I did want to kind of open-ended ask you though, like what, yeah. what are the things that are top of mind for you right now for people who are at some point along this spectrum of either they're thinking about learning to code or they've graduated boot camp looking for a job, like what's relevant for them? What should they be thinking about right now? Like what, yeah, what are you, what are you processing? You know, it, practically and like tactically, I'm thinking you want to be aware of some of the major changes in front end frameworks that are happening. I feel like JavaScript is moving at a faster pace than usual lately. You have mm, Next.js, yeah. server-side rendering, you have TypeScript beginning to dominate. You have these things which were kind of bubbling up in the background that I feel like have really now exploded and are taking over really quickly. So like I've had to make that transition from like create react app to Next.js. I've had to begin considering I'm not a huge fan of TypeScript, but I'm definitely learning it on the side to my own side projects. And, uh, and in general, just embracing the full stack nature of web development. I, I think that there's a lot of front end positions still and a lot of need for front end developers. But I do feel like the lines are blurring now, especially as you get things like Next.js, which are full stack server side frameworks and you're a React developer. Now you're having to think, wait, how is this rendering? Where is this rendering? And that being said, I, I don't think there's like a ton to like add to your tool belt. I think that a lot of the tried and true things still work, but, you know, not getting too sidetracked either. I know there's so much out there and it feels like if you're on Twitter or LinkedIn. You can hear somebody tell you to, you need to learn something new every other day. Yeah, no, that, that's that's good. I think learning the fundamentals of JavaScript is still where it begins, you know. That um, is where it all will go back to. It is funny, though. I, I'm starting to feel like an old guy because um, it wasn't even that long ago that in our curriculum for Parsity that Peter stripped out all the jQuery stuff. Yeah. Because, and just kind of give you context, Brian, excuse me, everybody else for a moment, but but originally the curriculum had this, my philosophy was, like we should teach everyone sort of like the history of web development and they should experience it because I think I still think there's value here in that if you're adopting React, you have to remember that React wasn't built in a vacuum. It was built in the context of the history of web development. Some developers mm-hmm. built it to address some previous issues that other frameworks like Backbone had. Um, and if you ever use Backbone, like you're manually wiring up like the data, right, with like the view and you have to like super be careful that when this model changes, you connect it with some piece of HTML so that it will re-render. And React yeah. just like pff, removes that entirely. You don't have to think about it at all. Um, and so I used to love to teach Backbone. And even before that, I love teaching jQuery because mm-hmm. it forces you to think about like, okay, when this HTML element in the DOM gets clicked, like I literally have to tell the code to listen for that thing to then be clicked. And at the end of it, if I've still got listeners, I need to then unbind the listeners to tell them to stop listening because I no yeah. longer need like that kind of uh, DOM performance to be uh, jamming things up. You know, I don't mm-hmm. need that to be on the call stack anymore to yep. be listening for these click events, which is so funny. But it, it just like your point about learning these new frameworks, it just like a small reminder to me that like we are continually like just how no one knows how to read machine code or yeah, right. no one's having to compile, uh, piling is lower. Like we're continuing to move up the stack to the point where like the low, 
things that we used to 10 years ago are now like much lower level than, than they are now. And it's, but the cool thing about that, and I'll get off my rant, but I think the cool thing about that is like, you can just do so much more. Like the things that you can do with less code, like you can build powerful things as like a one person developer uh, with, yeah, yeah, you got this whole like server side rendering. I remember in the beginning we talked about in react and it was like, Oh gosh. All right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Now it's like, think about it. Just out of the box. Yeah. Awesome. Um, any, any other parting thoughts of, of wisdom here? Oh, wish I had some of my, my mind to, to offer, but you know, consistency is my biggest thing ever. <laughs> Whatever you're going to do, I think we've hit them on that theme a few times. Consistency will get you much further than probably any other advice. Love it. Yep. I think you're right. Okay. Any, anything we can plug besides your LinkedIn profile? You've got like a website or anything like that you want people to visit? Uh, I do have uh, yourcodecoach.com. Sweet. Yeah. I have a newsletter that comes out in a interesting, not another course, which is a collection of advanced challenges for JavaScript developers that I think you might find interesting. Love it. Yeah. And if you like Brian's LinkedIn post, you'll love his emails too. Um, some of them, like they, they literally jar me when I see the subjects, like your subject lines are so good. I forget what Orky. one was recently. Yeah, it made me think I was like in trouble or getting fired or something like that. I forget what it was recently, but I was like, oh, who, who's this? Oh, it's Brian. Okay. It's Brian's email and he's not sending it to me. It's it's his newsletter, but um, it's they're, working. They're great. It's working. I'm glad to hear this. All right, man. Well, thanks for being on. Appreciate your time again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, that does it for today's episode of the Develop Yourself podcast. To learn more about becoming a software engineer with us, Parsity, in which you're going to see Brian showing up soon with some of his curriculum, check out Parsity.io. It's P-A-R-S-I-T-Y.io. If you're not quite ready for that, if you don't know JavaScript yet, then jump into our Dev30 program. It's D-E-V-3-0.xyz. It's 30 days of working on your habits, your mindset, your network, and of course, your JavaScript skills. We'll see you next week.